And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you about today's episode sponsor, friends. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. All right. Now, now, friends, I know that you know that I get really, really excited about talking about entrepreneurship and ecosystem development and all, but very rarely do I have a guest that I feel so resolutely fits within my conversational wheelhouse. We have a guest today. I'm going to have so much fun with us this one, and I hope that you have fun with this one as well, because we are very fortunate to have with us Janem Arkin. And Janem is Managing Director of Endeavor Heartland. Uh, they do some really, really interesting work. They are supporting high-impact entrepreneurs. Um, high-impact entrepreneurs transform economies, and they are uh, Endeavor is on a mission to bring entrepreneurial ecosystems and emerging and underserved markets around the world, bring them support and resources and help and all of these things that we talk about on Startup Hustle. Janem, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today as well. Yeah. So, so some of y'all know, like I talk about the pre-show prep that we do in some of my, my previous uh, episodes. And I got to tell you, like the whole time, Janem and I were just like, wait, you did this too? Wait, you're you're Turkish? I was in Turkey. We did this, like we just did this whole thing. So I'm going to ask you to indulge us because I feel like we're about to have like a really like pingy, ping, ping conversation. Uh, so friends, just come along with us for the ride. But the first question that I'm going to ask is that perennial favorite, the one that I love. I'm going to ask you, tell us about your journey. This is a very big question, and I love that you prepped me for it, Lauren, because I do actually want to go back a little bit, but I promise it won't be like in my sixth grade class. Let's go back. It was a dark and stormy <laughs> night. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, well, I was born in Turkey, and I speak to Turkish, and my family's, my extended family's all in Turkey, but then we lived in Iraq, so that was a big culture change. And then we moved from Iraq, where we lived in a little fenced-in camp where my dad's company built irrigation canals to New York City, like smack in the middle of New York City, where I really was- culture shock, for sure. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to leave the apartment, which I was not used to. I could roam around this big, you know, two-mile camp uh, where I wanted to. And then, long story short, I grew up in finance, worked at Goldman and Citigroup, and uh, then met and married in Arkansan, and he dragged me to Arkansas, which I think of all the culture shocks was the biggest culture shock. Um, and I have to say, I love Arkansas. I love living in Northwest Arkansas and it's maybe the best thing that's ever happened to me. So that was, that was my journey to Northwest Arkansas. But what I realized here is that companies, entrepreneurs specifically don't have the resources that we had in New York. 
certainly not in Silicon Valley or Boston, but definitely not even in New York. And that's access to capital, access to amazing mentors, people who are helping them think through their problems because they've been there, done that, and don't want them to make the same mistakes again. So I launched our Endeavor Heartland office, which is one of 41 offices all around the world that helps support entrepreneurship. So that so that is really interesting to me, and I wanna I wanna take us back just a little bit because you you said something really interesting. You know, you said that you felt like you looked around and you saw that where you were, you didn't have access to the kinds of resources that you did when you were in New York City. And I find that really interesting because I, I don't know if you know this, but Kansas City is actually we have a very very strong entrepreneurial ecosystem, and I think it's because we have the Kaufman Foundation, the Ewing Mer- Merriam Kaufman Foundation in our backyard. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Kaufman Foundation is a multi-billion-dollar entrepreneurial education and support fund. Uh, they they do global, worldwide work, but because their founder. Uh, Ewing Kaufman was from the Kansas City area, like they invest a lot within our, our, our particular region and in our city. So we're very, very fortunate. So talk to us about some of the discrepancies that you saw between support and funding in what we consider one of those entrepreneurial centers. Like when we, we, we hear about Austin, we hear about the Silicon Valley, we hear about New York, you know, all of these kind of entrepreneurial hotspots. And we don't necessarily hear a lot of cities in the Midwest, in the heartland. So talk to us about that, some of the differences that you saw. Yeah. And Lauren, I think you're so spot on about Kansas City, by the way. In many ways, Kansas City is you know, further ahead in the entrepreneurial ecosystem than Tulsa or Northwest Arkansas, which is where we operate currently in supporting entrepreneurs. But I love looking at Kansas City and being like, look at these amazing programs that they built. Look at the support of the Coffin Foundation. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that both in Northwest Arkansas with the help of the Walton Family Foundation and in Tulsa with the George Kaiser Family Foundation, we have such strong a strong base there. I just think that the Kaufman Foundation has been doing it for so much longer. And so we're still playing a little catch up. But here are the things I've noticed. I mean, first and foremost, a lot of investors that used to come from the coast wouldn't actually make the trip. So in some ways, the pandemic helped that, right? Because everyone's doing Zoom calls now, whether you're five blocks away or five states away. But honestly, entrepreneurs just wouldn't get on the plane. And the the areas that we served weren't big enough where there were even direct flights. So that was such a hindrance. Um, I think that's changing away from us, but that's we're also helping yeah. them. The kinds of companies we're supporting are just so much more interesting and so much more exciting than, than I think people realized had been in this area before. Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting. And for for our international listeners, you know, both Arkansas and uh, Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, we are situated. So, well, Kansas City is like smack dab in the middle of the country. You're a little bit eastern. You're a little bit, uh, I think, southern to us, but not too much. You're you're close. You're a neighbor. Hi. Hi, neighbor. Uh, but, you know, we are in a region of the country that is called flyover country. And there are a lot of misconceptions and a lot of stereotypes that come with living in flyover country. And one of those stereotypes, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it is a lack of innovation. You know, people on the coasts and people outside of the U.S., they tend to view the area that we are in as... Um, more like hometown values, like we're, we're part of the Bible Belt, you know, there, there, people have these conceptions about where we live. And so I hear f- from founders often, they get so frustrated because they have to leave Kansas City to find funding. I, I, is that what you're seeing? Like that kind of 
risk aversion, I guess risk aversion here. And then, as you said, that hesitation to come find innovation within our region. Yes, but I do really believe it's changing. So two things I think have happened. One is this Zoom phenomenon that's helped investors get there. But two, I think investors have started to realize with hopefully with organizations like us and with the incredible work you guys do broadcasting amazing founders, their challenges and success stories, is that they've realized that there's an advantage to living here. And it's not just cheaper cost of living or easier access potentially to workers. It's that there are certain things that are being done here on a corporate level that entrepreneurs can build and innovate into. So very clearly, Walmart, the fortune one company in the world is here, but that means supply chain and it means logistics and trucking and it means CPG products and e-commerce and all these other industries. And being close to that is a huge advantage. And if you're not funding companies that have that huge advantage, you're making a mistake. And that's all the more true in Kansas City, where you have several really key high profile, you know, partners clients, founders, right? For sure. Well, and one of the things that I find really interesting, so you just raised a beautiful point, and I don't even know if you know that you did it. You you seem to be a very intentional person, so you probably did. Maybe you did. (laughs) But one of the points that you kind of referred to is the fact that entrepreneurship thrives where infrastructure exists. And so I think in a lot of ways, as we come to an understanding of ecosystem development as a field, and as we start to understand the importance of supporting innovation and entrepreneurship, we see a lot of things being built. But we also see a lot of resources that have been previously I don't know, underfunded, undernoticed, under-networked or or utilized, Um, we see a lot of those resources becoming coalescing points for entrepreneurs. And I'm going to give you an example, if you don't mind. I'm going to beg your indulgence. Um, But so, so when I first got involved with the entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Kansas City, we had something called the Kansas City Startup Village. And the Kansas City Startup Village was a one square mile uh, area of town, and it was just off. It was over by the Google Fiber Building, and and that's important. Stick it like remember that later. But the Kansas City Startup Village was a place. It was a residential neighborhood where entrepreneurs and startups started buying up houses, all within you know a couple houses of each other. Like you'd go and you'd see. Here's the sport photos of building. I used to manage Village Square, which was a co-working center and kind of the KCSV welcome area. You know, and like you would see all of these startups just organically coming together. Together because geography often creates support and it helps you create a network and there's there's a lot of convenience in that. The reason the KCSV came to being was because Google Fiber invested in that particular neighborhood. It was the Rosedale neighborhood of Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, Kansas. It was the very first Google Fiber uh, network and neighborhood in the world. And so as soon as Google Fiber announced that they were going to be starting with the Rosedale neighborhood, startups started buying up houses because they wanted access to that that internet, that really fast internet that was like taking the world by storm. And so I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts around these kind of entrepreneurial hotspots, these embedded areas of innovation, research, design, you know, all of these things that we think of when we think of startups. What have you been seeing there? I love that story for so many reasons. One, because it takes something so simple, right? Just like really good internet to get people together. It's so brilliant and so simple. 
Two is that like entrepreneurs see ahead of, you know, they're sort of two steps ahead of everybody. And so they're, they're like, not only is this going to be great for our company, but I bet real estate values are going to go up. So I'm going to buy a bunch of real yep. estate. And they, they did, by the way. Yes. And so I that, mean, this is back in 2012. So we've seen it kind of proven out. <laughs> yes. I, I wish I could go back in time. <laughs> I feel that way about Northwest Arkansas. You know, the, the area surrounding Benville, just purely from a real estate perspective, has just blown up because of the exciting work that's being done. So one one example to add on to yours is Walmart's building a huge campus. I would argue easily rivaling anything Google has built. Um, and it's brand new and it's going to incorporate a lot of the things that we care about today, which is bikeability and access to nature and being able to, you know, um, communicate with people in a way that's outside of the desk setting, right? So they've built in all these really cool spaces to collaborate and that has, I mean, it's going to change the way people think about work and it's going to drive people into our region of the country. And by the way, I mean, my view is that we can't just think independently like Kansas City and Tulsa and Northwest Arkansas, we have to compete together because we our density requires it. Like neither of us necessarily has the resources alone. But if you take the resources of Kansas City and then take the energy expertise of Tulsa and take the retail and supply chain expertise of Northwest Arkansas, we have this like... Bermuda Triangle of entrepreneurship that no one's going to be able to compete with. And that's going to help all of our cities and all of our regions um, in, right. every, in every way. So I'm so pumped about that. And I'm pumped about the fact that people recognize that now, right? And, yeah. and Well, so that is, that's super interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm going to explain something to our listeners. So for those of you who don't know, um, I receive something called a set list every time we do a show and it has some talking points. It has the guest filled out information, all of that good stuff. But one of the things that it has is an episode title. And usually the episode title kind of dictates the content, the things that we talk about. Sometimes we have a totally different conversation and we end up changing the title. And that's a thing that we can do too, because we have that power. But <laughs> that being said, Today's episode title is Endeavor Entrepreneurs, and that's literally the name of Genem's organization. So, <laughs> so you know, talking talking about that, like I was like when when we were doing our pre-show prep, I was like, you know, that gives us a lot of room. So, I think what I want to explore with you, if you don't mind, is that ecosystem vibe, that ecosystem feel that we're talking about. And so, I'm going to ask you a very general question. Uh, so, what? What is an ecosystem in terms of entrepreneurship? Wow. I mean, I, there are so many smart people who've written so many wonderful books on this, but I'll tell you my lived experience in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, actually, that's right. what I want. Like, if you if you want the, you know, very academic definition, yeah, feel free to, like, do a Google deep dive. But I really want to hear it from you because you are an ecosystem developer. You're a pioneer. So let's hear it. <laughs> So I, I think it's the belief that you can change things. So it's a belief from various stakeholders, right? It's a belief from senior people that work at corporate organizations that one day want to do something different. I think it's a belief from capital providers. It's a belief from the entrepreneurs themselves. It's a belief. So it's the talent and the capital and the, you know, and the support. And it's a belief that all those people that we can change the things that we care about. So I think of entrepreneurship as a, it's in its most simple form, which is problem solving. Uh, so my job is to help solve problems for entrepreneurs. And yeah. we can do that at Endeavor. So to be, in, be an Endeavor entrepreneur, you have to go through a selection process where we identify ways we can help you as a nonprofit. 
and ways we can help you achieve your dreams of 10xing and changing the world and disrupting everything. And by the way, that has immense implications for job creation, which is why we're a nonprofit. And job creation then solves all sorts of problems ranging from po poverty to peace um, and you know, keeping people and making their lives better, keeping people in, in this area. So the reverse brain drain. So yeah. my job is to find those people that want to give back to the community and help connect them to our entrepreneurs. So Endeavor Entrepreneurs, what's really cool about what we do, just to plug Endeavor for a second. Oh, let's that, hear it. <laughs> yeah. Is that because we're a global organization, so we have 41 offices around the world and outside of eight of those, which are in the US, the rest are international. So I can go to my colleagues in Endeavor Brazil and Turkey and Endeavor South Africa, Endeavor Japan, Endeavor... Um, you know, Morocco and say, hey, we have this great company that's doing this really cool software gaming business. And they, they're they running into some hurdles, international, you know, globalizing and, and moving into international markets. Can you help them think about the cultural aspect of how they're reaching out to clients? And the answer is always yes. And so to be able to do that from Northwest Arkansas for a Kansas City or Tulsa-based company is yeah. immensely powerful. And that's how I think of ecosystem building. It's finding people who say yes to helping the next generation of founders. Yeah. Well, and I always, it's really funny because like when I'm out in the real world, um, I'll talk, I'll tell somebody and they'll be like, oh, what are you into? And I'm just like, I don't know, reading and supporting female founders, and blah, 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 <laughs> whatever it is. But then, you know, I'll, I'll mention ecosystem de development and like more than once I've gotten the response, like, you mean like, a jungle? And I'm like, hey, close, but no, that's a biological <laughs> ecosystem. We're talking about community ecosystem development. And so, so for me, like, I, I find it so absolutely crucial to understand that communities are, are almost like living, breathing organisms. Yeah. And you have to have all of the, like, think about your human body. Like you have to have all of these interconnected pieces that worked together in concert to accomplish things. Right. So if you're an entrepreneur, when you're thinking about an ecosystem, for me, it's like, who do you need to have? Well, you need to have the entrepreneurs themselves. You need to have access to capital. So you need to have investors. You need to have supportive policies and laws. So you need to have that civic peace, you know, people who are uh, elected to city councils and local governments, you know, kind of paving the way with supportive policies and bills. You need to have uh, customers and clients and brand advocates. You need all of these people and all of these entities, corporations, education, like they all need to come together to produce a successful entrepreneurial ecosystem, right? And so you're doing that on both the micro and macro level, because what you're doing is you're connecting resources and you're connecting entities that might not otherwise meet each other or know each other. Is that is that accurate? Exactly. And I think might not is, is almost too strong. They would never know each other because it yeah. would just be, you know, I was be trying to leave a little bit of wiggle room. I'm like, I don't know. Somebody could meet somebody at like a baseball game. Like who even knows? But, <laughs> and locally that does happen, but I think nationally and internationally it's impossible. Yeah. And actually we're such a, we're such a global market now. Like it, it's almost impossible to build something that's not global unless it's hyper-regulated industries. Yeah. But, you have to be able to think bigger than just your area, even if you just want your area to succeed, which, you know, we spoke about your love for Kansas City. I feel that way about Northwest Arkansas. And but the success of those things depend on our companies and our entrepreneurs really scaling and growing. But I, I right. think we'd be remiss. And I want to I want to get your opinion on this, because what we found is we have so few female and women entrepreneurs. And and that's that's certainly a problem for a lot of our Endeavor offices, but it's a big problem for ours. So I'm curious with the work that you do, how have you found that playing out in Kansas City? 
so it's re- it's really interesting, and this is this is a question that I think about a lot. Um, and I I love that you did. thank you for asking me that. That was so <laughs> kind. Uh, but so so when I I talk to in particular women entrepreneurs, female founders, um, you know, innovator that org- our organization serves every. Uh, we run the gamut of the gender spectrum, with the exception of those who uh, identify as cisgender male. Yeah. With that being said, we focus and we center the experiences of women. And so my job. I talk to women all damn day, every day. <laughs> and I and I hear a lot. I hear a lot of feedback. And we we put a listening tools out into the community. And time and time again, what we hear is three things. Like when we talk about barriers to leadership and barriers to entrepreneurship, women in particular seem to struggle with access to capital, mm-hmm. access to affordable health care, and access to affordable child care. Those are like the top three. And and, and that those those problems become even more urgent and they're exacerbated when you're dealing with intersectional women. So when you're talking to women of color, LGBTQIA women, um, you know, individuals who have been historically excluded on top of their womanhood, um, we see those those disparities and those discrepancies become even more aggravated and even more epic. And so a lot of the work that Innovator does is working to address those things. So in 2023, we're actually, we've made a promise to ourselves in our community that we're going to be um, doing putting together and developing a lot of programming that speaks to those specific three things. Because if those are the biggest barriers, then that's what we want to be talking about, right? But when we're talking about ecosystem development, like all three of those things are, they're, they're pretty urgent. They're things that people need in order to succeed and thrive. Are you, are you hearing the same thing? I mean, that's what, that's what we're hearing in Kansas city, but (laughs) yes, a hundred percent. And the irony of all that is, I mean, the pure irony is that women are actually better with money. And I mean that both in the household sense, like, Oh, don't I know it. Both women as, you know, in charge of their household finances, but also women entrepreneurs who have actually better numbers of success and growth uh, on average than than their, you know, cisgendered counterparts. And so that's the irony of all of it. But I think that there's lots of reasons we've identified and I don't want women to change the way they speak. But, you know, a lot of it is around how they pitch their businesses and, and it's usually words of of um, concern is too strong, but really like more cautiousness as opposed to words yes. of we're going to crush words the of, words of protection rather yes. than growth. I think exactly. is, the, is the way that I heard it phrased. Like, how are you going to mitigate this risk versus how are you going to achieve great success? And those are two very different questions. The crux of the questions might be the same. Tell us how you plan to do this. Yeah. But the, the attitude is very different, right? So when you ask protective questions versus supportive or growth-based questions, that there's some unconscious bias that is not not only on display there, but that is propagated by that language, right? And there's no, I mean, there's no reason women should change the way they talk about that, in my opinion. I think what we need is more women allocators. So the problem is, yes, (laughs) so as an aside, it's, that's not the mission of Endeavor, but something I'm very conscious about in leading our office to say is how many of our founders that are in our pipeline to become Endeavor entrepreneurs are women. It's a, appallingly small number. So I'm very upset about that. And so we'd love to, I'm going to talk to you offline about Innovate Her KC, because I think helping women in KC and Tulsa and Northwest Arkansas help each other is actually great. Oh yeah. My other, my other big concern is for women, and I'll, I'm going to generalize a little bit, stereotype a little bit, but we are also primarily caretakers of aging parents of, as you said, childcare. And so I'll say this as a woman myself, 
like I get asked to represent women at events where I'm usually the only one or one of only a handful of women. And so my time gets sucked up doing all those other things when I could be focusing on the actual day-to-day work that I'm doing. And, and so that's really hard, right? Because now yeah. my, my time is divided and my colleague's time isn't my, you know, my parallel male colleague isn't. So yeah, I think that's really hard too. Well, and I mean, it's one of those things where like, I have these conversations all the time. And, and I think a part of the frustration lies in the fact that like, you definitely want, like, I, I want to be very clear. I love men. I married yes, men. Some of too. my greatest mentors and champions and friends and like have been men. And so it's not to say like, we're not a, a, a you know, a she woman man haters club or anything like that. But basically what we're recognizing is the need for equity. We see inequity and we're just trying to bridge gaps. Right. And, and so I, I find that work, um, it's some of the most fulfilling, but also the hardest damn work I've ever done in my life. Um, really quickly. And I, I do want to tell you, I knew that this was going to happen. We are running over time right now. And I don't even usually acknowledge when that happens, but we're actually egregiously so. And I blame you. <laughs> and it's your fault. Because the conversation is just too good. But friends, I'm going to bust in here for just a minute. Matt's going to kill me because I didn't do it gracefully. But I want to talk to you about full scale. Uh, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. And really quickly, I do just want to acknowledge the fact that when you look at the uh, the workforce of full scale, they they are approaching gender equity and their women stick around. Uh, we just got a fist pump from Jim, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, but their women stick around because full scale treats them so well. Like that's why I I really people are like you you love full scale as a sponsor. I'm like I really do. They're amazing. We love them so much. Anyway. companies that put their money where their mouth is by the way it's right that's exactly right it's another to actually do it so that's awesome exactly well and i mean honestly like matt and i we talk about it a lot like i you know i do some consulting work for him just to like hey let's make sure that we are serving your workforce but in particular the workforce that you know might need a little bit extra help or support or assistance like let's let's figure it out let's make sure your team is well taken care of uh and full scale does that so, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to get into Endeavor yes. a little bit more because we're, we're talking about some very, very big concepts and I got, I could do this all day. I do do this all day. I never get tired of it, but I want to hear about Endeavor. So take us through, what do you do? Well, no, 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 no. Why do you do it? What do you do? And how do you do it? <laughs> so the Endeavor was launched, uh, with a, by Linda Rotenberg, so a fantastic visionary woman. Uh, She's based in New York and they run an organization called Endeavor Global. And what they've done is say, we wanna help entrepreneurs in all markets that don't have access to this. So that really started in emerging markets. Um, That was all over Latin America, South, you know, Middle East, Southeast Asia. And um, what we've decided was, wow, we've made a big impact because we connect people to capital and mentors and partners and each other, most importantly, in some ways. And then let's do that in emerging economies in the U.S. And thus Endeavor offices in the U.S. were born. Um, So I, you know, when I think about my role, it's to help emerging economies within the U.S., which is a fantastic description, I think, for our part of the world. 
And my job, why I love it so much is one, I spend all day long talking to founders about their concerns, their excitement, their opportunities. And then we try to fill the gaps in where we think that they need that extra push. And if they succeed, we all succeed. I mean, think about what Northwest Arkansas would be if Sam Walton hadn't succeeded, right? If the, you know, uh, John Tyson hadn't succeeded. I mean, we have some enormous companies here that were that are entrepreneurial in their origin and we need the next generation of those or we won't be around in 150 years, right? Or 200 years. Right. And so my job is to help support those companies that want to be that next generation of change makers and hopefully do it in a way that's global and really connective where they then give back to the next generation of founders, hopefully again, more parity among that being more women and people of color. Sure. Um, but my, so we do that in a couple of ways and uh, you know, you can cut me off and we can talk about these more if you want, but one is through capital. So Endeavor has its own venture fund. We're on fund four and it's $292 million. That's the size of fund four. And we invest solely in Endeavor entrepreneurs. So we have about 1400 entrepreneurs that we support globally. So that's again, entrepreneurs in all of those 41 markets that I mentioned. Um, and we don't negotiated our about against our entrepreneurs because we we are you know one of our value system is entrepreneur first but we want to be able to have capital available for them if they need it and sure. so if they're leading a leading a round of five million or more endeavor will be able to cut a check into that round which is awesome we love that we'll be able to do that especially in emerging economies where they really have no venture community at all um, but you'd be surprised that i you know i think there's more venture capital available for brazil these days than there is for you know bentonville arkansas but uh, hopefully that's changing too so capital is one. Mentorship is another. We have over 5,000 mentors in every subject. So you talk about being industry agnostic at Innovate, Her, KC, but we're the same way. You can do food and beverage. You can do health tech. You can do enterprise SaaS. Um, as long as you have scales, you plans to scale and, and big dreams. Um, so 5,000 mentors. And then we have a, an amazing peer-to-peer -peer network. So Endeavor entrepreneurs who are scaling themselves just like talk and complain and find a human to connect to. So that's a really big part of what we do. Um, and then lastly, we have programs. So if you're an Endeavor entrepreneur from Kansas City, you can go do a week-long course at Harvard just for Endeavor entrepreneurs. So companies that are scaling, that are in an inflection point. And you can all you know, talk about your leadership skills. You can talk about your sales strategies. You can talk about your innovation culture, um, all sorts of things. So Harvard, Stanford, Inside, we all have these We have programs at all those schools, uh, as well as partnerships with Bain and EY. So all collectively said, it's really like a demand. A lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. People are like, I still don't understand. I'm like, well, just just join us and be part of it, and then you'll get it's, to know it. It's kind of like a jungle. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell, don't tell them that. <laughs> with trees and. Um, but like you gotta uh, have the shade producers. You gotta have the like mushrooms and fungi on the bottom. Like you got all kinds of stuff. You gotta have the rainforest <laughs> quote on there. Um, but it's really cool because I get to do it out of Arkansas and then I get to call my colleague who's, you know, sitting in Spain and the managing director of Endeavor Spain and I get to talk about how we help a company together. And yeah. it's just like, it's a really incredible way to spend your day. I, I love that. You know what? I, I am going to drill down on that just a little bit because I like, so, so one of the things that I love most about my work um, and about innovators work. And I, I generally try not to speak about innovator in I terms, but right now I'm doing so because I'm like, no, this is me. This is like the core of what I feel. Um, but one of my favorite things about this work is that the work I do allows other people to do their work better. Yes. And, and there, therein lies a lot of power because in, in, 
in empowering community leaders and empowering entrepreneurs and empowering these people who are radically positive, we call it radical positive change at Innovator. Like these are individuals creating radical positive change. These are not like inert people just kind of going about their business. They're, they're, they're working to create a better future, a more equitable, more just, more uh, kind, you know, whatever word you want to put around it. And so, so I feel almost as though I kind of get to touch everybody else's stuff and everybody else's work in a way, uh, in a small, in a small way, but it exponentially adds up. Like, is that kind of how you feel about what yes. you do? Yes. <laughs> it's so hard to explain that to people. So they're like, so you talk to a lot of people all day long. I'm like, yes, but it's <laughs> incredibly impactful. I it's hope. community Not- building and it yes. means something. <laughs> And you know, the best part of my job isn't that they, I talk to them. It's that I get to listen to them talk to somebody who's going to really help them rethink it. And it can be something yeah. really simple. So, you know, we say high impact, but I, I do want to be clear that our impact is really about economic transformation. So they don't have to necessarily be like an ESG focused company, Yeah. but it's for people who want to give back to their communities and give back to the next generation of entrepreneurs. And that's the impact part. And yeah. they want to, they want to dream big. They want to change the way we you know, access healthcare or the way we do our jobs or the way we live in our houses. Right. And so it can yeah. be any industry and I get to hear them solve simple problems. So it can be something as simple as one of our companies really early on had the question, should, you know, they had an offer to sell their company and, you know, they talked to one of our mentors and that the question was, should I sell at this point? And the mentor was absolutely, you know, and these are, this is, these are pieces of advice. You can take it as you will. Yeah. The mentor was like, I love what you're doing. Do not sell. You have the hugest opportunity in front of you. And they didn't sell it. And then they went public like three years later and became a crazy unicorn in Latin America. And they're, they now give back to every entrepreneur. They support, invest in, and mentor all sorts of companies. And it was just, you know, it's the yeah. most incredible story. Well, and going a lot. So I, I love that story so much, but, it, but like going along with that line of thought, one of the things that we talk about innovator a lot, actually, it's like on our website and everything. Um, we talk about the cyclical nature of leadership. Mentorship is one of our pillars. Uh, you mentioned mentorship as well. Um, mentorship is hugely important, but we believe in the social contract. So we believe that it, you, it is incumbent as somebody who has achieved success within this community, it is then incumbent upon you to reach behind you and help elevate and pull up the next generation. And if every succeeding generation continues to do that, we have this cycle of success that perpetuates itself. Right. And so, and so that's kind of what the, the assumption that we're operating under, that that's like a, it's a vital part of ecosystem development. So what are some of the ways you have seen that, that mentorship piece really, really, you just mentioned one, you know, you talked about the advice factor, um, but what are some other ways that that kind of mentorship can really transform a business? I, I mean, this is so evident in my board members, by the way, who are just industry and visionary leaders in Northwest Arkansas and in Tulsa. But, you know, it's really opening up your network because that's where that scale happens. So, you know, my, I have my board chair, Cleet uh, Brewer, who's a partner at New Road Capital. You know, what he does after every call, every mentorship call, he gives his advice, he talks to people, and then he says, you know, here are three people you really should talk to that are potential clients and investors. Yeah. And that without that, you know, you're sort of stuck in the cycle of, okay, that was good advice. What do I do next? But he is constantly thinking about and opening doors for our founders because he knows and believes in the fact that if they succeed, all of Northwest Arkansas succeeds, including you know, families and restaurants and all the people that make our lives great, that work so hard to create yeah. and 
livable ecosystem for us, not just an entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. I think to be a great mentor, to be a great person in our ecosystem, you have to give back through your network. So you can't, you can't just keep those things to yourself. And then secondarily, I think it's the hardest part is finding amazing talent. So it's connecting to your people and saying, hey, you should go work at this great company because yeah. you're going to do something amazing. And talent, I think, is one of our key issues, not just in not just in our little Bermuda Triangle, but all over the coast, too, because, you know, talent is expensive and it's hard to come by and making a mistake and hiring a key person can have huge ramifications for you as a company and for you as a founder. And so really helping people clearly think about how to hire talent, how to interview, how to find the right fit, how to make sure it's it's thoughtful and diverse and inclusive and also, you know, the right person for the role. Um, and so not that those things are not mutually exclusive. They're all usually the same. But that's that's one way our mentors really, really give back. Our board members give back um, is to help say, hey, you should hire this person. And that's happened naturally and organically through recommendations so many times now. I can't even tell you. Yeah. Well, so, so I'm going to... I just really want to bring it home for our listeners. So I'm going to give an example, like innovator, uh, just as a, for instance, like when, when we create these kinds of, I call them serendipitous collisions, like you, you intentionally create the space to collide, but you don't necessarily direct it. Um, (laughs) And so, so that's what innovator is all about. Like, we're like, we can provide the platform. We're not going to do the work. And so one of the things that like happened, uh, so we had a, a member who was an entrepreneur. She had a she had a childcare company. She offered childcare at co-working spaces and for events, which I I firmly believe is a hole in the market. Let's get more of that, please. One hundred percent. How can yeah. I support her? Let me know. Uh, I, I, wanna, I like. I am happy to point you to her. She's amazing. Her name is yes. Emily Zod, and her company is called Flex Play. And I just I love her. Uh, but so so we had this entrepreneur, and then we had a high school chemistry teacher, uh, Doctor Doctor Melissa. I think her last name was Hasley, but don't uh, don't quote me on that. Started with an H. Uh, but at any rate, so she she was a high school chemistry teacher, and they met at one of our events. It was one of our social events, and we don't have agendas for those or anything like that. We're just like, hey, come and have fun. We believe that people support people that they like, know, and trust. So let's find you more people to like, know, and trust, basically. So these two women met. They would not have otherwise met. We're pretty sure, you know, maybe <laughs> like some off chance meeting, but they actually ended up doing a STEM sci- a summer camp for sixth through eighth graders together. You know, Melissa came up with the the curriculum and um, got to work on the, you know, the camp and the play aspect. And like they came together, made some profit for each other and did something really cool. And they, they were able to benefit kids uh, in the urban core who might not necessarily have had easy access to that kind of learning or instruction. So, I mean, those are the kinds of things that we see when we have strong ecosystems that connect previously siloed institutions, verticals, industries, like all of these things that we have historically liked to keep separate. When you throw them together, we make each other stronger. I firmly believe that. And I think you do too. (laughs) Actually, we were just uh, right before this call, I was on the phone with a a fantastic company. You guys may know them because they have some Kansas City roots. The company's called Bottle. Um, Ah, That's Clarence and... uh, Oh my first. gosh. Oh my gosh. Edna. Thank you. I was like, so they, I, they are, I actually have their sweatshirt, Clarence and, and Edna and I go way, way back. I love them. And they, they, they do, the uh, they do ed tech friends. Ed and tech. You should definitely look into them. 
Bottle is, is fantastic, a great resource for students. And you're talking about, you know, ha- giving access to education for students in places where they themselves are, um, yeah. being able to learn in a way where you don't, you know, where the reading level may be higher or lower. So there is, they're so amazing, amazing founders. The company, I'm so excited about. Everyone should check them out. We were talking to Edna and one of the mentors we put her in touch with is uh, a woman named Tracy Black. She used to work, she spent 30 years of her career at J.B. Hunt. She's brilliant and wonderful and we love her. And they talked about hiring the right you know, VP of engineering and what that would take and who they should look for and how they should structure it and everything from comp to interview questions. And I think that, um, so, and then they hired this person. And so this this kind of conversation can happen in the, in the most unexpected ways by people who aren't even in your industry. And, you know, all of us are rooting for the success of Bottle because Edna and and Clarence are like the best founders in the world. So they also incidentally, if you look at uh, their Instagram, they have like the cutest baby ever. It drives yes. <laughs> you do the cutest baby ever. Just, I, was, I think just this morning I was actually watching a little Instagram video of Edna dancing with their, their kid. And I was just like, oh, uh, all right. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna transition to the human question here in just a second, but I, I really I knew that we were gonna go over time. Like, sorry, <laughs> startup hustle tech producers, sorry, my bad. I'm like, sorry, hashtag sorry, not sorry. Uh, <laughs> Follow ups. We I, we need to spend like another hour after this. Call. I know. All right, so I, I'm gonna ask you this. You know, when we're talking about the importance of interconnected systems, and we're talking about the kinds of resources and support that Endeavor can provide, what are some of the best practices, tips and tricks, things that you can impart to our our listeners playing at home. What are some ways that they can strengthen themselves through a strong interconnected entrepreneurial ecosystem? I mean, I think that the number one thing is don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, And that can be anything from like, man, I have to make a tough decision at work. How do I even think about it? Or I'm so lonely. I mean, there's there's real loneliness in being an entrepreneur and just having access to help and support is so, so important. But I think also we've come from this really isolating time and scary time through COVID. And obviously we still need to be very careful, but as things open up, really, I mean, take advantage of those things, attend the events, go to the places because the human connection is good through zoom or yeah. you know whatever your choice of video is but so much better in person and so i know it's yeah. a small thing it seems so obvious but really make the effort to like to go and and participate and ask the question and ask for help because uh you never know when you're going to get the most important piece of information in your life or advice yeah well i i think that that that's such crucial crucial advice and i love that you you brought it up and i mean I, that's really I'm going to project a little bit, but it seems like that's kind of the core of who you are and the core of who, what Endeavor is like, we're going to, we're going to support and help. And, you know, all you have to do is ask. And so I love that that was kind of your, your closing caveat. Now I am going to ask you the human question and I don't know what it is. I'm literally looking around my office for, uh, for inspiration as I stall. And okay. All right. I'm going to ask you this. So if somebody gave you a million dollars and you had to spend it on yourself, not anybody else, not programs, initiatives, not charities, not, but you can only, you only have, ah, let's say a week to spend it. Oh Where boy. are you putting it? You can't, you can't, nothing for anybody else. It's just gotta be you. Okay. And it's not for, ch- and you can't do good in the world. So we're kind of taking I mean, all that off. So like, if you wanted to have like a giant party to like, you know, benefit a charity or something, like I'd allow that, but you know, really try to focus on you. 
Because sometimes okay. I, I do sometimes think that women struggle to do this. Like we're so accustomed to the serve first lens that we forget that like, hey, sometimes I would love to have a million dollars to buy myself a charter jet. How <laughs> <laughs> so funny you say that. Oh my gosh. I really were tears in some way. I like, when I think about what I would change in my life, I feel so blessed. I, you know, I have such a wonderful, my parents, my husband's parents, like I have such incredible support network in my life. My kids are great. I mean, we we're very lucky in so many ways and privileged in so many ways. But if you were to really ask me like my secret guilty desire, that's so terrible for the environment and really nothing I would actually ever do, even if I did get a million dollars, um, is just never fly commercial again. Like yeah. just never, ever, just never, ever first class all the way. Yes, please. I do want a glass of champagne, you know, not even first class, just my own. <laughs> just fly by right. myself. Ooh, you're, go you're going for the big guns. Okay. I'm going, I'm like no kids, no, nobody else. I like my own space with my own glass of champagne. Yes. So you um, want your own version of like air force one minus all the yes. reporters. Yes. And the, like the jet fuels that are terrible for the environment and all the all the bad stuff. Like if you could remove all those things, I would just singularly fly by myself everywhere. Yeah. Well, Hey, so, so fun fact, like if you ever thinking about relocating to KC, like we, I believe that conversations are still happening around the hyperloop, which <gasps> is that fast commuter train between it's, I think they were, they were looking at it from St. Louis to Kansas city and they did a feasibility study. And last I heard they, it had been uh, slowed due to COVID of course, of but, course but uh, was still in the works. So just throwing that out there. That's a great alternative. I would love that. <laughs> Uh, so let me, we, let's talk about that more too. That's going to Okay. List. All right. We, we, so we have like a whole parking lot of things to talk about, yes. uh, but first things first, I just, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us, spend time with us on the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Lauren, I know you said, I said it wasn't going to be possible because I already had such high expectations, but I had more of the fun than I thought I would. So thank you so much. For those of you who don't know, that is my super secret goal for the show. I always want guests to say that once I, she said it before I hit the record button to, to take us <laughs> off recording. So I'm like, haha, I have proof. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I know I've, I've had a blast. Uh, I also have a blast, friends, whenever we talk about Full Scale, and I know you, you hear it a lot. They are the producers of the show. They are the folks who make this all possible. There is a whole team of amazing people who help us bring Startup Hustle to life, and really, they do all the dirty work. I just show up and talk. So we love Full Scale, not only as producers and the amazing power behind Startup Hustle, but because if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, Full Scale can help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Fullscale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. And friends, I feel like I beat a dead horse here, but I'm going to just, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> so Startup Hustle is for you. We do this because, you know, sure, we love talking. I love talking to founders. It's one of my favorite things to do. And it's something, it's what I've made my career on. But that being said, Startup Hustle is a tool and a resource for you. You get to hear stories of people who have done it before. Maybe you hear some things that you identify with. Maybe you hear some things that you'd never even thought of, but you might have to deal with a little bit further down the line with your business. Now, all that, keeping all that in mind, we want to hear from you, friends. We want you to tell us 
the founders that you want us to talk to, the topics that you want us to cover. We need your feedback in order to keep this show relevant and interesting, but not most importantly, useful. We want the show to be useful to you. So please reach out to us, startuphustle.xyz through our website. We have a Startup Hustle chat group on Facebook. We've got a LinkedIn page, Instagram. We're highly reachable. Uh, so, so reach us. Tell us what you want to hear. Definitely keep listening week after week. We are so appreciative that you do so. And we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.